Hey, y'all. So let's have a conversation. Yeah. Um, this is October and it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I have my beautiful cousin, Dr. Arnell Wright. Hey, hey. And she's going to share her story um, on this episode. But before we get to her story, we're going to share some facts and some information to educate you on breast cancer. This is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, like I said. Um, we're here to educate you and empower you and to give you information to help reduce some of the fears that you may have concerning breast cancer. Um, the facts include breast cancer is one of the most common cancers in women, but it also occurs in men. Um, I know we all often, you know, hear women's stories, but when I was in primary care, I actually had a patient, a male patient that was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it can occur in men. Yeah, we should start our breast self exams at age 18. Um, women, if you have your menstrual cycles, don't do your breast self exams during your menstrual cycles. You should do it five to seven days before or five to seven days after your menstrual cycle. Because if you do it during your cycle, you're going to have those hormonal changes in your breast. So you don't want to have any, you know, scares with that. So don't do it during your menstrual cycle. Um, if you're pregnant, if you're a man, if you're older and don't have any periods, choose one day of the month, mark it on your calendar, put breast self-exam this day of the month. If you want to do the second Tuesday of every month, mark it on your calendar or put it in your memory that, okay, it's time, this is the day to do my breast self-exam. And those, that's for if you're pregnant, if you no longer have periods, or if you're a male. At age 40, is that's, that's when we start the screening mammogram. At age 40, usually every year. Um, at age 55, you can opt to do it every other year. And I know some women, we prefer to just do our mammograms every year. Mm -hmm. It's usually covered by most insurances. If you come back with an abnormal mammogram, the next recommendation is usually a breast ultrasound or a MRI of the breast. The survival rates have increased over the years. Um, because we're recommending, we're encouraging early detection. Um, we have a greater understanding of breast cancer these days. We have increased technology. Now we have the 3D mammograms that have, we can get a better picture of your breasts. So the survival rates have improved over the years. Um, I did read that John Hopkins, they said that 40% mm. Of the women that have breast cancer, 40% were diagnosed because of they felt the lump themselves. Yeah. It wasn't by the mammogram. So that's another reason why we, we're encouraging you to do your breast self-exam, um, your self-breast exam. So because a lot of, I know when I was in primary care as well, the women that I had that were diagnosed with breast cancer, mm -hmm. they found it themselves. Mm -hmm. They had previously had a mammogram the year mm -hmm. before, but then they found a lump in their breast themselves. So yeah. 40% per John, John Hopkins. So some of the risk factors of breast cancer include if you're female, mm -hmm. um, age is a factor, personal history, family history. Uh, if you've had any radiation, like a chest x-ray, CAT scan of the chest, that can alter the tissues of your chest um, tissues that can be a risk factor and also mm -hmm. obesity. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the risk factors and those are some of the facts that I want to share with y'all. Um, now I'm going to turn it over to Miss <laughs> Arnell, Dr. Arnell. 
Oh, um, you don't have to call me doctor for this episode, but if you wish, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, respect, girl. You earned that. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> I do. So we would like you to share. We're gonna let her share her story, and I hope that um, y'all get something out of this. We're mm-hmm. here to, like I said earlier, to empower you, educate you, help reduce those fears. So, Renee. Yes, thank and you. I'm so sorry, much. y'all. I'm calling her Renee. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I was. Yeah, I was actually gonna say, you know, it's probably going to be more of a conversation. And so for everybody that's listening out there, I'll introduce myself, but I'll just put a disclaimer once I'm done, because we may just kind of keep it really chill for the episode. Is that cool? Yeah. So hey, everybody, I'm Dr. Arnell Wright. I'm a dentist by trade. And I we are both in Florida. Um, I graduated from the University of Florida. I've been practicing for about six years. Years. Uh, so according to the American Dental Association, I'm still considered a new dentist. Um, their definition is 10 years or less. So I'm still in that new dentist category. Um, I feel like I'm finally getting my bearings as it relates to work, career, life, leadership, balance, all the things, health, self-care, wellness. Um, and for this conversation, I'm, I really appreciate the topic. One, because it's very timely. Two, because I'm having this conversation with my cousin who I don't get to see you very often. I feel like I just do a horrible job, but I feel like if this is what causes us to have a conversation, I'm all here for it. So I'm like, you know, this is great, you know? Um, And I'm also appreciative of this opportunity because for anybody who hears this story or has, you know, know someone, I'm pretty sure we all know someone who has had breast cancer, who's a survivor, a thriver, someone who, you know, is probably you know they didn't win their fight or they they are no longer living you know from breast cancer or some sort of cancer we have either we know someone or we've heard a story of someone who has had to face this disease and so um this is something that i i really really appreciate because as you know i i am only 37 years old so at the time that this podcast is being recorded i'm 37 years old and i'm two years out from my diagnosis so at the time it was a week before my 35th birthday um i was about to turn 35 yeah when i was diagnosed. And yes, to your point about the self-examination, that's exactly how I found the mass in my breast. So I found the lump and it, it was strange because typically they say that um, uh, breast cancer is not, it, it's asymptomatic. Like you, you're not going to feel any sensations or any pain or anything like that. But I had like a tingling sensation in my breast. And so I was just like, what is going on? And I just kind of did like that. And so to be honest with you, I didn't even do a real like um, palpation or anything like that. And I wasn't very good about doing my um, self exams at home. And so like in retrospect, I'm like, man, I kind of just wish I would have spent more time. Like I would have taken that a little bit more seriously. Um, I think sometimes when life happens, we just get so like busy or we're just like, ah, that's not gonna, that has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? So we like turn a blind eye or we just say, oh, that's someone else is going to be facing that disease, not me, you know? Um, And I feel like that's a mindset that Um, I had, but it wasn't, I I didn't realize that I had that mindset. I think I just was apathetic or I was just living life. And, you know, I kind of thought that it was like, oh, that affects, you know, older people or, you know what I mean? Like, 
There's just Mm -hmm. so many thoughts that I can think about now um, that I'm just like, oh man, I was just, I totally ignored um, family history and all of those things, which I'll get into in just a moment. But I found the mask um, and I actually booked an appointment like immediately. I did a telehealth. um, I kind of pretty much logged into the app to my doctor's office. And then I booked an appointment. My doctor couldn't see me, but her nurse practitioner could. And so she could see me the very next day. And I was like, yep, give me that appointment. It's done. You know, I saw her that afternoon and I could tell, you know, she was concerned. Um, and she was just like, to your point where the next step is going to be that ultrasound. So she ordered the ultrasound and then the journey from there pretty much began for me. Um, I went and had the ultrasound. I then had the, um, the mammogram. Um, I'm sorry, wait, you know what? She might've ordered the mammogram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. It was the mammogram. And then from the mammogram is when I had the ultrasound. And well, so usually if you have an issue order, we call a diagnostic instead of a screening. Oh yeah. Mammogram. It was a diagnostic. Oh yeah. It was definitely diagnostic. That should, um, they, that usually includes with the ultrasound ultrasound yeah okay so they might um i don't think they did the i think they did the ultrasound um at the time of the biopsy too if that makes sense um because i had to go to two different locations for um for for them so if I remember correctly, but it has been two years. And, you know, after a long time has passed, we just try to put that behind us, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 you know what I should have done. I should have brought my notebook with all of the steps and everything that I, um, experienced during that time. But, um, so, so you might know that part a little bit better than what I can recall, but once I had the mammogram, it was like a waiting game. So it was very, very stressful. It was, but, but, Deep within my heart of hearts, like I knew and and maybe I just wasn't in faith, but I knew that I was like, man, okay, so this could really be something, you know, because that's when I started considering the fact that, you know, we have a family history of cancer and I was just like, all right, so this may be a little bit more serious than, than what I know. And, um, I got the call about maybe a week or two, it, it, I don't think it was a whole week, but I definitely got the call like a week or so after having had um, the imaging and the ultrasound and the biopsy and all of that. Um, and then that is the next step in the journey. So it was doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment. And so um, I ended up just going to see my, um, the, like the breast, um, surgeon, the oncologist, and she had the oncologist um, that same day that I saw her, she put in a phone call really quickly and was like, can you please take one more patient today? And so, um, and, and, and it, I feel like it was just like God all the entire way, because mm-hmm. even for me to get into her office to confirm, you know, the diagnosis and stuff like that, um, I had to be squeezed in. So they squeezed me in. Um, sorry. They squeezed me into um, her office. And once I went in, that's when she was just like, okay, girl, we got to get you going. We got to get a, this, 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 this. She put in a call for the um, oncologist 
and the oncologist was just like, okay, we're gonna, he gave me the option to do chemotherapy. Um, he, he didn't want to give me too much information too soon because he was just like, all right, we need to do the genetics testing, kind of like what you had said. And so, um, we did the genetics testting and, no, 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 no. I had, so I had my mom, my mom, um, my husband, he was, my husband was actually at the hospital, but then my mom was there with me as well. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, my mom was there and we were just running around. We had to go from one side of town to not really the other, but it was, it was at least like 15, 20 minutes away. And so we went to the appointment and, um, I met the oncologist and then that's when, you know, the blood work came into play. Um, he sent off my, um, he sent off my, my blood work. He sent off, I forget how they do the genetics testing, but I I guess it was from the, from the, um, from the biopsy. Um, I think that's how they do it. I can't remember, but, um, the genetics testing was the big thing. And then there's like a test that's like, or, or a score, the Oncotype DX, and so that score, that and the genetic testing were like the two determining factors on like my course of treatment, how long, how intense, how, um, all of like, like what that, what was this journey going to look like? You know, he, right. he told me in the beginning, he's just like, like they were hopeful. They were like, oh, you know, it's a, a smaller mass, you know, we might not have to do chemotherapy, my husband, he was just like, Claude is his name. Claude was just like, just get your mind ready to do chemo. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't trying to be a downer, but he was also being very realistic. And mm-hmm. I was just like, in my mind, I had, I, I there was maybe a small percentage of my hope that was like, oh, I'm not going to do chemo. I kind of went into it with like worst case scenario being like, I know that this is going to be like a journey, like we're on a road, you know what I mean? Like a, mm-hmm. a journey for sure. Um, and so when my, my test scores and my, my BRCA um, genetics test came back, I do have the BRCA mutation. And so with me being so young um, or younger, I should say, cause you know, getting close yeah. up there, but young, young to be going through, going through breast cancer diagnosis um my oncologist was just like we really need to like I'm gonna have to watch you like a hawk pretty much he was just like the course of treatment is the chemotherapy for though it was like 20 weeks or 20 20 rounds of chemo like the first the first part of the chemo was just called what we call like the red devil so it's like um, the brutal of the brutal, it's like every other week. And then after that, um, it kind of tones down and it was like every week after that. Um, so I would, I would, and, and I was working too, by the way, going through all of this. Like, really? I, so you yes. didn't take any time off? No, I didn't. Oh, Mm-mm. wow. That probably mm-hmm. helped you though, coping. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it no. was a great distraction. Although I will say there were days where I would be like so tired and, and even when, um, like I was recovering from the medication, like, um, being on the, the pill. So like I take a t- tamoxifen medication still. Right. 
And so being mm -hmm. on that medication, sometimes, you know, I'm just tired or I'm easily irritated. And so there would be days where a patient would say something and then I would just be like, oh, you know what I mean? Like I it, yeah. I would be frustrated and, and I knew like I could, I'm, I'm pretty self-aware. So I would be like, all right, I know that this is a part of the medication that I'm still on that's making me irritated because in any other time I wouldn't be bothered by this thing or by this patient because I've seen them X amount of times, you know what I'm saying? Like before mm -hmm. this journey even began. Um, but yeah, so once the chemotherapy was over and I finally, I rang the bell, um, then I had about a month off. And so mm -hmm. you get a month off to do the radiation and the radiation, I also continued working. So I would do the radiation every, um, in the mornings before work. And oh, it was like every day for about six weeks. So I went every morning at like seven, seven thirty. And then I would go from radiation directly to um, work. And the radiation wasn't really hard on me from um, like, like in comparison to chemotherapy. It was, it was very fine. I didn't get any burns or anything like that. Um, some women, they tend to burn, but um, our radiation office was really, really, they were really careful and, and, and not saying that that's the reason why people do burn, but um, they said they have a very low percentage rate of the people who end up with like burns on their skin. So um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, it was really nice. Like the most thing that I experienced with the radiation was just like fatigue. You know, I would get like halfway through the day and I'll just be like, Ooh, I need a nap, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, after running around seeing patients and stuff like that. And, um, just being with my team and my staff. Um, so let's see after radiation, then it's like I'm on monthly recalls and I will say like my monthly recalls, I realized that they caused me a little bit of stress just because I'm like going back to that place. Like every single day I'll see the, and I have to get in the chemo chairs because sometimes I have to get an injection. Um, I have to get my ports. I still have my port. Um, I still oh, have to, yeah, they keep it for about two years. So I have to get it, um, flushed every one, um, like every quarter and not, I was going to say every once in a while, but every quarter I get the port flushed. And so, um, we're almost at the point where I can have the port removed. Um, and so you're still doing monthly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. I, my doctor said I probably would be doing monthly for a very long time. Like, like a long time. Mm -hmm. He's like, he wants to see me every single month, even though, you know, sometimes I don't necessarily have to see him, but when I'm in there, uh, there are some visits. I see him more than I don't see him, if that makes sense. He's always like checking and, and asking questions um, about medications because there is a journey that he has me on now to um, the next step in this whole thing. Like it's over, but it's not over, if that makes sense. Like I'm in remission, I'm cancer free. But because of all of the factors, like the 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 BRCA mutation, the oncotype score, um, my age, um, family history, all of that causes him to be a little more hands-on. So he follows a different protocol for um, women in my age group than he does, you know, maybe someone who's much older, you know, and, and who has different scores. There's just different things. Um, and I, I should say pathways or, or courses of, of treatment 
that he takes based off of like the situation at hand. So um, that that's like the short version. But I think we can get into some discussion on like wellness, like how because in the process, like I had to deal with the fact that I had been diagnosed, right? And I'm a believer. I'm a woman of faith. So for all of our listeners out there, I believe in Christ. I believe in Jesus. And I don't know if that's okay for your show, but if you want to cut it, that's okay. But I can Definitely just. Definitely okay. Cause yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm a born again. Right. Yeah. With the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I know that's right. Good. And so I, I, I'm a believer. And so going through it, I, I, and I've always said I was diagnosed, you know, that's just like my faith part of me. Um, whenever I talk about the breast cancer diagnosis, so being diagnosed with it was one thing. So I had to kind of wrap my head around that going through chemo, you know, having the lump removed and all of that and going through, oops, sorry, going through, um, radiation. Um, that was another thing that I had to deal with. And then after the fact, I would say the after, is just as hard as the during like and and maybe even the diagnosis part because although you're done you're really not finished like you still like my doctor still refers to me as a cancer patient if that makes sense and mm-hmm. and, and yeah that that does make sense to you sorry <laughs> like he still refers to me as a cancer patient and so hearing that I'm just like ah. Oh. No, you know what I mean? Like, I thought that I was going to do all these things and, and, and just like that, I'll be done. And by the way, the time does fly. Like it goes by really, really fast. Like it, it, I don't know, maybe for me, just because I was working and I still had so much going on with like leadership and all of the things that I'm involved in within my profession. Um, I think that kind of helped shield me, as you said, like it helps me cope. It helps me keep busy. Um, and I knew that if, if I slipped and didn't work, I probably would have fell into like a state of depression. I probably just wouldn't have been able, I don't think I would have been able to handle it. Um, or I would have approached it with like the mindset that I did. Um, so can I ask you yeah. your mental health during that process mm-hmm. versus now present mm-hmm. day? How are you, how are you doing mentally, your mental health? Okay. So let's talk about, you want to, you want to start with now, right now, how am I currently doing? Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm doing really, really well. Um, there are times, so the, the tamoxifen does kind of like the one thing I hate about the tamoxifen aside from the, um, hot flashes, because like, I'm always hot. It's funny. I have this fan Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm around, well, actually here, I have one on my desk right here. I'm always, um, I keep a fan on me or I have a fan that plugs into the charger port on my cell phone. Right. And whenever anybody sees me, like if I'm outside or even if I'm inside, they're like, oh my gosh, you are so cute. Oh my gosh. You got your fan. And I was just like, well, you know, some, I, sometimes I don't tell people, but I'm just like, well, actually people only if you knew, like a girl is having a hot flash right now. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm also trying to like cool myself down. So I have to pull my hair off my neck. So many things like that. So aside from the hot flashes, um, like just the irritability is what bothers me about the whole thing, because I feel like there are some moments where I'm just like more agitated about things that wouldn't normally bother me. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, 
but mental health right now is really, really good. Like, um, I do a prayer group every Tuesday, actually. Um, and oh. I've been doing it since, yep. Yeah, I've been doing it since before, like right when I just got diagnosed. So I've been meeting with them pretty much religiously every Tuesday, every once in a while, I may miss like a call or something like that. But one of my so um, your church home group, or is it just a, well, is it a group I, that I can be part of? Oh, yeah, you can actually be part of it. So here's the thing. Um, when I was in college, um, I was going to a church up there and um, there was like one of the one of the prayer warriors. Man, she was just dynamic. And so she was like one of the youngest. It's like a trio, pretty much. There's like one that had been there for a very long time. And then she like taught another one and then the other one taught her. And so they're all like three great friends and they used to lead the 5 a.m prayer team and so every once in a while oh, I would wow. go to like yeah I would go to the 5 a.m prayer and they were just like almost discipling me when I was in college and so I developed a relationship with them and even though I had left you know I moved and went to a different church I stayed in contact with them um, and then even moving to Orlando stay in contact with them every once in a while if I find a nice book that's like a spiritual read I'll send them a copy. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just say, oh, hey, wow. yeah, nice. yeah. So it's kind of like they're like grandma, auntie, like other mom's friend, cousin type of thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so um, I called the younger one and I said, hey, I just wanted to, you know, update you because we, we still keep in contact all the time. We just, you know, usually text, hey, checking in. Hope you're doing well. Love you. These are the updates. Here are the boys, blah, blah, blah. And then I told her about this and she's like, oh no, we got to get you on the prayer call. No, you know, and she's like, did you know that I lead a prayer call? I was like, I had no idea. And so from there, um, she invited me to the prayer call and I just been joining in, um, pretty much every week and, you know, we, we pray and, and, and pe it's people from all over the place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's so awesome. yeah, I'll give you the number. Like they, they're always wanting people to join. So give the number, share it with anybody you know join in man definitely yeah. yes yeah so they kept me on the list um every week they would just pray for like whatever stage I was in they would pray they prayed over my mindset prayed over you know my mental health prayed over my spirit not only you know like because most of the time we focus on like the bodily aspect and what we're going through with mm -hmm. the medication which that is is important to 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 think about but man, I tell you, mentally, it is very, very hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You have a beautiful smile, girl. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I love you. I'm you well, girl, <laughs> listen, I don't know about that. I need some help. Like, I, I was thinking about getting braces again, but I don't know. Uh, medications. My doctor's like, I don't know about that. So I was like, yeah, so how long do they expect you to be on the um, tamoxifen? Because uh, I know I, with my patients that were on it, mm -hmm. I would hear them say their breast surgeon or oncologist wants them to be on it for at least five to 10 years. Yes, that's me. So, and I, when I said five to 10, he was just like, no, girl, we're looking at closer to 10. And I was just like, well, dang, like I'll be probably, yeah. you know, at like, hormonal menopause right then like you know maybe i don't know so like me i'm 48 and i'm hormonal menopause but really <laughs> yeah it's, it's tough right oh my god early at 48 is like yeah 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 so i i will have to do that i'll have to be on the medication for he said like 10 years 
Um, now, one question that the listeners may have is like, if I've had a um, mammogram since this, so my doctor or, or like an MRI or anything like that. He's just so like, of course, I was going to ask. I'm glad oh, yeah. Yep. So some of the imaging, he was just like, so I have not. Um, he asked me one time and, and I, I just love this so much. Oh, I'll, I'll share something else with you, too, that really may benefit the listeners from from one of my visits with my doctor. But um, as it relates to the imaging, he was just like, it's it. What I want you to do is um, if the, he told me if there's any like coughing or anything that are, is persistent and and doesn't go away. Um, we will order the mammogram, you know, he was just like, I don't want you to stress so much about having like a new mammogram or a new MRI, new imaging or anything like that. Um, and, and sometimes he says like the insurance, they won't cover it because you've just pretty much had it. Um, which for me, I'm not necessarily concerned about that, even though I know the imaging is like very expensive. I I want to make sure that, you know, as we go on the journey, we're just checking, you know what I mean? And so I think he's going to do one like annually as opposed to, you know, like every six months or whatever oh, like that. Yeah. So he he told me, he was like, I, he said, you know, every single time, because when I go every month, my, my, I, I get my blood taken. And so they, you, they do like a workup and they look at the blood, um, the blood draw and everything like that, the, my blood count. And so he's just like, if there's anything like my tumor markers that, kind of you know make them raise a brow then that's when we'll have the conversation and we'll make the decision to have more imaging done um okay. we, yeah and then the other thing um that so I I will I missed a few appointments right a few of my follow-ups because on the one hand it's like man I have to work you know I need to these these appointments they're at just such an inconvenient time to be honest with you but it's just kind of like do you take care of yourself or do you go to work you know it's like we kind of need to do both and so work has taken precedence a few times and so mm -hmm. um he in one appointment I remember vividly he's just like how often do you think about a recurrence and I was like you know what not often I was like I don't really think about it coming back at all like I was like I'm not manifesting that you know he's like good yeah. I'm so glad he's like the only time I want you to think about like even just going through this and having been diagnosed with breast cancer he's like I just want you to think about it when you have to take that pill that's it just think about it that one time because I also wouldn't take the pills that he had prescribed me because I'm like one I'm always worried about like my cognition, like what's gonna, like, is this gonna affect how I do my job? And so he's, you know, he assured me, like we went over side effects and things like that. He assured me that everything was gonna be fine. And then mm -hmm. um, sometimes I just get way too busy and I just don't do that, which you guys do not do that. That is not good to do. Um, and so he was just like, I only want you to just think about it when it's time for you, you know, to take the pill. And he's like, so on the one hand, it's great that you don't think about it on a regular basis. But then on the other hand, it's not so great because you're just moseying on with your life and you still really need to be taking precautions and following protocol and stuff like that. So um, since that, I've been really, really diligent um, about, you know, staying, going and attending like my appointments and all of yeah. that. And, and, and they, him and him and his nurse practitioner was like, whoa, 
Like yeah, they you're really, a good person. Yes, they've been like congratulating me. They're just like, look at you. And I was like, I know, I know. Because <laughs> y'all know us nurse practitioners and doctors, we be saying, Lord, they don't miss another appointment. Yes, <laughs> I know, I know. And, but, but you know what? I just, I appreciate that team so much because another thing, um, and, and this, you know, might apply to some of your listeners as well is um, just having a provider who is like culturally sensitive and cultural, cultural competent, um, culturally yeah. competent, I should say. Um, my doctor actually leaned in a little bit to the fact that like he took notice of the fact that um, I was missing appointments and he was just like, you know, he said, I want to tell you something. Like he said, I understand that people of color. And by the way, he's not a, he's not a, um, well, well, I guess you can say he's of color, just another thing about it. He's a minority, but um, he's not African-American. I should say that. So um, he was just like, I know that like there is a, dis- the, uh, an, a lack of understanding in healthcare, especially with like Caucasian providers and things like that. They don't understand that, you know, sometimes uh, our, our minority patients may have mistrust for, you know, a, a Caucasian no, provider. Doctor. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And for healthcare, you feel like medications are being pushed on you. And that was Mm -hmm. something he leaned into that. And he had a really, really robust conversation with me about his understanding on that. He told me about how he was on a panel, like and he almost started crying. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I love this. You know, it it, it really touched me. And that's actually how I like um, turned the ship around with like being more um intentional about going to the appointments seeing him talking to him about everything because he was like I want you to know I'm gonna recommend for you to take the medication every single time I'm gonna ask you about it every single time he said I believe that like I know that if I, I, he said I don't I don't think you have a trust issue with me as your provider and so he went through the whole like litany of understanding how like minority patients they don't necessarily have a trust for healthcare, and how he's mm-hmm. been on panels and things like that to kind of educate his colleagues to continue to like show interest in the patient because oftentimes what happens is if the patient kind of misses appointment misses another one it's like oh, okay they don't care so I don't care you know they may not say that but they yeah. just kind of, they don't really try to to reach out and kind of just dig a little bit. And so mm-hmm. he, he, he went in and he was digging, you know, and he was just like, um, so he, yeah. he, he, he was digging and he was just like, I think that you still want me to make recommendations. However, um, I will know that you are completely checked out when you tell me to stop recommending and so he was like until then i'm still gonna check in with you and recommend and i was like i'll be here every month like that you know that's Amen. all i needed yeah. i was like i'll be here every <laughs> month like say say less say less you know exactly. that was so touching to me because i didn't have i've never had any like a provider be that interested in in me you know what i'm saying like I don't know. Or maybe they, maybe, maybe providers, cause like I'm interested in my patients, but, but maybe sometimes we don't express it. And so the patient just remains unaware to it. So maybe I've had providers that were really, really interested, but maybe they just didn't say it. And so the fact that he took the time to say it and like, he like kind of leaned in, scooted closer to me and was just like, okay, let's, let's talk about this. You know, he was just, and then he kind of opened the conversation and I was like, okay. Wow. Kudos to him. 
I know. I was like, I like this. Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. I do hear that most oncologists are, they show a little bit more compassion and concern yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Maybe because of the nature of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry, I was just rambling. I feel like I talked so much. <laughs> no, this was great. It was it? It was good. I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, I do want to ask about yeah. diet. Did you change oh, anything yeah. as far as your diet? Um, after? Or, yeah, after. Or did they offer recommendations as far as diet changes? Eating healthy. <laughs> Eating healthy. <laughs> Green leafy veg vegetables. Lots of veggies. Um, um, with one of the medications I can't have, um, it's called, um, what is that? Medic uh, Limparza is one of the medications that I also have to take and I can't have grapefruit, which the strange thing about that is before I could not have the grapefruit. Like I was not a grapefruit eater on a regular basis, but then like right. when I was told that I couldn't have it, it's just like, oh, I kind of want a grapefruit. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, okay, stop, because <laughs> you don't even eat grapefruit like that. So that was like one of the things I had to tell myself was to like not go start something new just because I can't necessarily have it. Um, but the main thing was just to really have a very healthy diet, drink lots of water. Um as far as like weight loss and weight gain, I, so I feel like, um, and everybody, everybody's body is different for you, for you all who's listening out there. Um, but going through the process, like going through chemo and everything like that, I don't remember being the weight that I currently am. I feel like I was just slightly smaller or my weight was distributed in a different way. But I will say that I've noticed that I have more weights like in my midsection and um, my, my doctor, we, we've talked about that several times. He's just like, you're probably going to have to go really, really hard if you really want to lose weight, because now that my, um, hormones are suppressed, like I don't have the hormones helping and working with me, um, in addition mm -hmm. to diet and exercise. So it's like, I would really have to like buckle down on my diet, like not eating carbs or whatever like that. If I really wanted to kind of get rid of all of that weight. Um, so I'm, I'm trying some things and just trying to figure out how I want to approach that um, because I do want to lose the weight. But then on the other hand, when I go and have the um, injection every month, it's the injection that I take is called Zolodex. So I take three mm -hmm. medications, the Tamoxifen, the Lumparza and the Zolodex, um, in addition to like vitamin supplements and, you know, things like that. But um, whenever I take that injection, um, where they have to give it to me is um, right in my midsection. So it's just like, oh, and, and they're okay. just like, whenever they have a nice... <laughs> this is sad but a nice chunk it's like better <laughs> well, I not... my yeah well i mean they have enough to like kind of give me a nice injection whereas like if it's on like a really smaller patient it's very hard and like uncomfortable and like very painful for the patient and stuff like that so um while i'm on this journey i've just been learning and this is something else for everybody out there if you're going through it right now it's really important to like um learn to appreciate your body because like our bodies can do and sustain so much and just yeah. like the, like the thing that the human body can do 
it is phenomenal how we can just bounce back. And so um, one of the main reasons I haven't been super, super crazy about it is because I've been trying to find satisfaction in, in where I am now and, and, and appreciate like just all that I've been through and not want to just go and change so much or just alter myself because, because of this, you know what I mean? Like, because of what I've been through, I'm like, this is okay. This is okay because my body has been through a lot. My mind has been through a lot. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So it's weird because, you know, and I I know we probably need to wrap up, but I will say it's weird because on the one hand, you know, I'm a healthcare provider and, you know, we talk about diet and exercise, although I'm mainly like (laughs) neck up, I still try to educate my patients on nutrition too, because, you know, mouth is a gateway to the rest of the body where you're eating, it affects your teeth. And then if you're eating bad, then it affects the rest of your body, yada, yada. So on the one hand, it's like, okay, I want to be like body positive because of all that I've been through. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, it's a slippery slope. You don't want to get too comfortable because then you have all of those health and risk factors for other diseases and stuff like that. So I do want our listeners to know that we are conscious. We know about, you know, the that it's a healthy balance between both of them. But for anybody going going through breast cancer or you're 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 finishing up the journey, just know that like your body can can survive so much. And so um yeah, just be nice to her. Be nice to her or him, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so this was beautiful. Yeah. Any any encouraging words for anyone out there? Yes. Um, yes. You know, I, I wrote some notes down as you were doing the opening statements. Um, with the breast self-exam, I know, so like with my family history, I know that I probably should have taken that a little bit more serious. And so for all of our listeners out there, um, in the breast cancer community, one of the things that I learned very quickly was to feel it on the first. So that's something that we all say is feel it on the first. So okay. yeah, so typically I, I put a note in my phone and even after going through chemotherapy and everything like that, you you're even though you're cancer free, you still want to take those precautions and continue to do your breast examinations so feel it on the first put that note into your phone yep yep yeah yep that exactly it's super easy feel it on the first unless of course you know your cycle or whatever is happening so put that note in your phone and then i just want you to remember that this is self-care so like doing your breast self-exam that's taking care of yourself drinking lots of water that's taking care of yourself and I had been like on a water journey like where I would post me drinking my water every single day I I had been doing that for a year prior to being diagnosed and when I went through chemo that was the one thing that helped me pass the flu the 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 medication so easily because I had already been like a big water drinker so I drank gallons and gallons of water like while I was going through chemo too and so my doctor said that's actually what's helping you um do a really good job with like the post the side effects of the chemotherapy drugs um and just remember that your providers although they are there to be like the experts and to help guide your care you need to partner with them as an advocate for yourself like speaking up asking questions um not just taking their expertise for you know gospel we respect 
their expert expertise and I want my patients to ex respect mine too. But at the same time, those patients who actually lean in and they kind of partner with me, I feel like I, I'm more prone to kind of spend even more time with them because I want them to make informed decisions. And so um, just trying to making sure that you're listening to your providers, but you're also asking questions um, and giving them the opportunity to hold space for you to advocate for yourself um, and increase your health education and literacy. So hey, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big person on advocating. Mm -hmm. I'll advocate for you if you're my patient, but mm -hmm. you got to advocate for yourself, for yourself. as well. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Kara. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to have to try to get us a picture with our, our big old headphones on. Let me see if I can do that. What? It's so cute. <laughs> Look at those cheekbones. Looking just Girl. like Aunt Sylvie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. And if any of our listeners or viewers want to, you know, reach out to you and ask yeah. any questions, do you have like a contact I can put on? Um, yeah. In the contacts. Um, when I post this, I'll put it on the um, your contact information. Yes. Okay. So um, I mostly hang out on Instagram. <laughs> so if okay. you all are Instagram users, my handle is at the daily dentist. Um, you'll see me there. And um, I typically do like emails through my, per I have a personal growth and development company. So it's called Being and Becoming Your Best. I don't know if I've ever told you about this or not, or if you've ever seen it, but it's called Being and Becoming Your Best. And so you can reach out to me there. Um, I just do like with this journey that I've been on, I, I realized that um, before leading up to it, I've always been just so um, fascinated with personal growth and development, always just elevating in any, you know, aspects of your life. And so, um, you know, I heard in my spirit, I reached at like, okay, God, I'll do this thing. And so it's pretty much just like a community for women who want to grow and always be like elevating, but elevating from the perspective of like, okay, I actually have something to, to um, improve, not from the perspective of, oh my gosh, I'm being hard on myself. And like, I just need to do something else. You know what I mean? It's from mm -hmm. like a place of health as well. Um, not a place of like self-criticism or self-destruction or anything like that, like that you're not good enough. So um, yeah, so that's that's where people can find me. And how can they get with the being and becoming your best? Okay, so the website is www.beingandbecomingyourbest.com. Okay. Um, I post blogs, like I, I haven't been as regular, but I'm, I'm getting a VA like in the next month to kind of help me with some of the emails that have been coming in. Um, oh, and I know I'm super excited because so in the community, um, I do like a personal growth segment. Like uh, I just did a video on um, setting goals because usually in October, it's almost like the beginning of the fiscal year for me. Like it's the beginning of the year for me. Um, I start thinking about like what went well in the year that we're currently in. And I just start like projecting and thinking about what do I want to achieve? What do I want to improve? What do I want to strike for my list? Exactly. So, and, and it takes mm -hmm. me about a good three months before I decide on the goals that I want to declare for the upcoming year. And so I typically do that in October. And so I recorded that video. It's about 45 minutes.
minutes and it's um there's a there's a link on the site but if you just do like um being and becoming your com slash smart goals then that's it like you can get the video that way um but yeah so that's some of the ways and i talk about leadership and um you know personal growth i feel like like healthy work culture depends on like a healthy person mentally emotionally all kinds of ways you know what i mean it all ties in together you know so i don't know i'm awesome. kind of like i like to geek out on that type of stuff <laughs> that's good all right this was another conversation with life conversations with dr amy if you're not oh. subscribed hit that subscribe button hit the subscribe hit that like hit the like button share because this is a topic that i'm sure a lot of you are gonna